house of the Lord this morning. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take an opportunity to again give a great big welcome this morning to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Would you help me, Rock Church, put your hands together one more time? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us today. What a privilege and an honor it is to have you here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers this morning. And if you're here for the very first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And if you did not receive one of those and you're here for the first time, just slip your hand up in the air and one of our staff will run one of them to you as quickly as we can. But this is just an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd like to give you as a token of appreciation that we have for you you joining us this morning and uh, you are a special guest at the Rock Church this morning. Amen. Amen. We have a little understanding here at the Rock Church that you are only a guest for five minutes. After five minutes, you're just part of the family here at the Rock Church. Amen. Would you turn around and shake hands with somebody 360 degrees around you? Tell them, welcome home this morning. Come on, help me tell them. Tell them, welcome home. Welcome home. We're so excited that you're here in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I want us to continue to remember. I know it's already been mentioned, uh, but if you would make a note and remember to pray for the Matthias family. As was mentioned earlier, uh, this pastor and his wife were driving a passenger van full of young people uh, from Washington on their way to Oklahoma this week when the van was involved in a rollover accident. And the pastor's wife lost her life and uh, she was pregnant with an eight-month-old baby uh, whose life was also lost along with two other uh, adults in the vehicle who suffered loss of life and uh, everybody in the vehicle was dispersed to various critical care units uh, across the state of kansas where the accident happened and uh, no doubt that this is a different Sunday morning for many of those people today. And I know we've already prayed, but I wonder if we could just one more time stand with our hands lifted all over this house and pray uh, right now for Lighthouse Church uh, there in Washington and for the Matthias family and all of the connected families. Come on, would you help me lift up your voice for just a few moments? in the sanctuary on behalf of this precious family and this church today. Lord, we pray this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God, put your blood. We plead your blood over this family, God. We plead your blood over this church, oh, God, and all of these people today, Jesus. Oh, God, that you would do a work in the midst of tragedy. God, that you would take these circumstances and use them somehow for your glory, oh God. We pray right now that the comforting hand of the Holy Ghost 
would come upon them, upon this church, upon these people, oh God. Do what only you can do, Jesus. We ask you for it today. We stand as intercessors on behalf of these people. And we're careful to give you the praise and the glory and all of the honor. In the name of Jesus, pray. Uh, somebody one more time, help me give God some praise. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. I think we ought to take a moment and give God some praise for his hand upon our life this morning. Come on, I think we ought to take just a moment right now. The Bible says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard one person say, what would happen if you woke up tomorrow and the only thing left in your life was what you gave God praise for today? I wonder how some of us would wake up tomorrow if the only thing left is what we gave God praise for today. I think we've got a reason this morning. I know we're taking a little bit of time right here, but I, I think we got some really good reasons in the building to magnify the Lord in this. Let everything that hath breath, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. Remain standing this morning. Amen. We are so excited about everything that the Lord is doing in this house. What an incredible week we have had this past week. Many people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost as uh, God continues to do what only he can do. And uh, I am excited this morning. I have asked one of my sons in the gospel, our college and career pastor, Pastor Trevor Sloss, to bring the word of the Lord to us today. How many of you appreciate the ministry of Pastor Trevor Sloss? here at the Rock Church. Come on. Amen. Not only is this young man a talented and anointed minstrel, and uh, there is a difference between a singer or a musician and a minstrel. A minstrel takes that ability and gift and God uses them in a powerful way to minister through that gift. And not only is he a, an incredible uh, minstrel whose voice is highly sought after across the country. As a matter of fact, he was just in uh, Kansas City this past week uh, working with a uh, church and their music team. And on his way uh, to Oklahoma this upcoming week to minister. Uh, but he is an anointed preacher of the gospel. Amen. And we're so proud of him. I love you, son. I want you to come and deliver your heart to this house. Would you give God a praise one more time as he comes to deliver the word of God to us? Come on, can we give that to the king this morning? Come on, can we really give it to the king this morning? Come on, like he stepped into this place. Can you worship him like he stepped into this house? Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I'm so
so thankful. God, I'm so grateful to be in your presence. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to your name. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for trusting me. I believe I have a word from the Lord this morning. Have you come for a word in this place? Have you come to be changed this morning? Or have you come to check a box? Have you come to leave this place different? Or have you come to go through the emotions? Jesus. We were at the coffee shop yesterday. Some of the college and career group and Bishop had texted me around noon. And um, I, um, I didn't have anything stirring quite yet. And um, sitting there at the coffee shop and it was, it was like a, a, a ton of bricks hit me, Bishop. It's the best way I can describe it. You know, you know how it feels. And I looked over at my wife and whom I am extremely grateful for. And, um, and I said, I said, babe, I, I just, I just feel like God dropped a word in my spirit and, and I feel heavy. And, um, but I don't, I don't think we're going to stay there this morning. I think God's going to get us through some stuff today. I don't say that because of my ability. As a matter of fact, I am the least qualified in this building. But I say that because I believe God is going to move in this house. Do you believe God's going to move in this place? Have you come expecting God to move in this house? In the name of Jesus, why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter number 23. Amen. The book of Psalms, chapter number 23. And I just want to read one verse of Scripture. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to be up front. And I'm going to tell you that I do not have a long introduction. So I pray that we all jump right on board this morning. Amen. The book of Psalms, chapter number 23, one verse of scripture, verse 4. This is attributed to David, this psalm. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou... Somebody say, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. One transliteration says, even though I'm in a dark place, even though I'm in a low place, even though I'm surrounded by darkness, I will fear no evil. And the answer is simple because I know that thou art with me. I'm just going to tell you, I've come to preach to some people that have found yourself in a valley this morning. You found yourself in a dark place. You found yourself in a low place and you're looking around and you're wondering, when is this going to end? And you're wondering, where's the way out today? I'm here to tell you today that there's a reason for the valley. I'm here to tell you today that God has never left you. God has never forsaken you even when it feels dark. Even when it feels lonely, he's never left my side. He's never forsaken me. 
want you to help me declare my title this morning. It's simply this, I will not die in this valley. No, I, I need you to say it until you believe it. I will not die in this valley. You still get it, you, they missed it. I will not die in this valley. This may be the third valley this week, but this ain't gonna be the one that takes me out. This may be the fifth valley this month, but this ain't gonna be the one that takes me out. I will not die in this valley. I will not die in this situation. I will not die in this Somebody clap your hands and give God a praise in this place. Come on, clap your hands until you believe it. Clap your hands like you got faith in this house. I will not die in this valley. Brother JJ, you don't have to go very far. This is arguably one of the most famous passages in the entire scripture. You can sit down if you want to. You can stand if you want to. It's said to have been attributed to the King David toward the end of his life. And the calm and reflective tone serves as proof. I can see an old, tired, haggard man maybe sitting on a throne, maybe out in a pasture somewhere, getting back to his roots. And he begins to, to kind of replay his life a little bit. His eyes maybe are getting a little dim and he begins to think about some of the places that God has brought him from and some of the things that he's been able to see and witness and experience. And it kind of gives this, this little bit of insight into one of the most iconic people in the word of God. And this is a man after God's own heart. This is a man that has experienced many things. And I can imagine as he's sitting there and he begins to, to kind of go through his thoughts and maybe he's got some writing utensils with him, writing tools, and he begins to write down, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He begins to write this psalm and it kind of tells his story. Remember, this is a man that somewhere in his teenage years defeated not only a bear, not only a lion, but also a giant named Goliath. This is a man who ran for his life in his 20s and his 30s from a raging, jealous king who sought to kill him. This is a man who has experienced struggle. He's experienced loss and he's experienced defeat. This is a man that has had many successes, but he's also had many failures. This is a man that's had many victories, but he's also had many defeats. He's had many ups, but he's also had many downs, many mountaintops, but many valley lows. He's experienced the entire gamut of life, and he's had many children, but he's also lost a few. He's had much wealth, and he's also lived in poverty. And yet, through all of this, we find a David waxed in years. He's old, and I can imagine him off somewhere as he begins to pen these words and says, I'm, 
I was young. And now I'm old. But you know what? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And the revelation begins to dawn on them. You know what? I've experienced some great things in my life. I've experienced some amazing things in my life. And I've also had some pretty down days. I've also had some pretty dark days. But you know what? In, in spite of everything that's gone on in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I can say today that I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've, I've never been without. I've never been without blessing. I've never been without prosperity. I've never been without protection. I've never been without provision. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You may have seen it, but I've never seen it. Everything I've experienced is because of the hand of God. And you know what else? I've never seen a seed begging for bread either. He said it wasn't just me that he took care of, but it was my kids that he took care of. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen a seed begging bread. I've been up and I've been down. One song said, almost leveled to the ground. <laughs> That's all I know. I don't remember anything else. But I've come to preach to somebody today. You may have found yourself in a valley. You may have found yourself in a low place. But sometimes you got to just take a moment and reflect back over your life. Woo! Sometimes you got to just stop. And say, okay, I may not be where I want to be. I may not be where I'm supposed to be. But if I just take a moment and look back over my shoulder and where I used to be. I used to be locked up in a drug house. I used to be running the streets. I used to be locked up in prison. I used to be bound in chains. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I should be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. Thank God I'm not where I used to be. I wish somebody would just be thankful today. I wish you would just say thank you Jesus. I may not have it all together, but thank you Jesus. I may not have all my ducks in a row, but I got ducks in the pond. I may not have... I may not have the house on a hill and the white picket fence and two-car garage with kids. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. See, it's about position. It's about position. I'm just go ahead and seal it. Listen to a podcast this week and they were talking about position and direction. Position's great. Position's great. It's awesome. But there's a big difference between position and direction. And direction is more important than position. Because I may be in a spot that's unfavorable. I may be in a spot that's less than. I may be in a spot that's dark. I may be in a spot that's low. I may be in a spot when nobody else seems to understand what's going on. But if I keep my eyes fixed on the king... 
if I keep my eyes lifted up to the hills from whence cometh my help it doesn't matter where I'm at it doesn't matter what position I'm in it doesn't matter how low I've fallen my help comes from the Lord my help comes from the Lord I may be stuck where I'm at I may be immovable right now but baby I'm making up my mind that I'm moving forward in Jesus name Sometimes you got to remember, Brother Judah, I never get tired. I never get tired of hearing your testimony. As a matter of fact, I wish you would tell it more. God, how he was driving one day. It's not my testimony, so I can't tell it like he can tell it. I can't tell it like you can tell it, so you ought to tell it. He was driving. Van blew through the stop sign. It was foggy. Truck rolled how many times? Two times. The paramedics got there and they said, where's the guy in the truck? The truck was unrecognizable. They said, where's the guy in the truck? There's nobody in there. And Brother Judah looked at him and said, I can imagine probably shaking a little bit. As a revelation dawned on him, I'm right here. Woo. I, I can't even imagine getting that phone call, Bishop. Dad, I just rolled two times. Mom, I just rolled two times. They said I shouldn't even be here. They said I shouldn't have made it. They, should have, they said I shouldn't have come out alive. But I don't even have a scratch on my body. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself and you got to remind the enemy that my God is able. My God brought me out then and he'll bring me out now. The car accident should have taken you out, but you're still here. The divorce should have messed your family up, but you're still here. The drugs should have ruined your mind, but you're still here. I wish somebody would just take a minute and give God praise. Come on, somebody give God praise. I wish there was an ex-drug addict in the building. I wish there was an ex-alcoholic in the building that can justify thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. See, here's the deal with the valley of the shadow of death. It's a shadow. It's described as a shadow. Because death isn't there quite yet. So David, they believe he wrote it because he was at the end of his life. And so it's almost as if you can feel the haunting shadow of death, death looming over him, ready to take his life. But he wasn't dead yet. And so even in the valley, 
even in my lowest point, even when I feel death crawling on my shoulders, even when I feel the devil coming up from my past and telling me I can't make it, even when I feel like I feel like the devil's crawling up my past telling me you'll never be good enough. And he's crawling up and he's telling me you'll never make it in the kingdom of God. You've got too many mistakes. You've got too much of a record. You've got too much of a history. You've got too many scars. You've got too many issues. You don't have the right family. You don't have the right status. You don't have the right financial. I can look the devil in the face and say, even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil because I know he's with me. And so that's why, that's why David says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And it's a light unto my path because here's the thing, it's dark. It's a shadow. What happens in darkness, Bishop, is disorientation. You can't tell up from down. Can't tell right from left. You get disoriented and it feels, what may feel right is actually wrong. And what feels wrong may actually be right. That's why the Bible says we don't walk by faith. Or we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Because visually, things seem impossible. With my hands, with my feelings, things seem impossible. When I look at the bank account, and I look at my dad. When I look at the bank account and I look at what's got, what I got's coming up and I look at the bills, it seems impossible. That's what the darkness does. The darkness closes in and it disorients us until the point we can't tell if we're coming and we can't tell if we're going. And so you've got to live by the word because it's a light and it's a lamp. And it's the only thing that will give you direction. Your testimony sometimes is the only thing you can hold on to. The testimony of where God brought you from. The word of God. The blood of Jesus. Sometimes you just got to hold on to those things that brought you out the first time. I've been reading this book. It's called A Shepherd's Look and into Psalm 23 and it gives us an inside scoop of a shepherd's perspective a modern day shepherd's perspective of Psalm 23 and in the book he explains why the sheep are led through valleys see when I read it just studying it out I didn't I didn't really understand I started reading this book and started cross-referencing some commentary and realized some powerful stuff. To me it was. We'll see if it is to you. They lead them through the valleys. To this day in the Middle East, they lead them through valleys and up mountains in the summertime. And the reason that they do that is because as the summer is approaching, and they're in the middle of summer. Those snow-capped peaks, those snow-capped mountains are starting to, they're started, the snow is starting to melt. And, and, and the ice and the, the, the freezing temperatures are starting to kind of roll back a little bit. And what comes up underneath the snow 
is new life. What comes up from underneath the snow is lush green grass. And so what he does is he takes the sheep and he guides them through the valley. And he guides them up the mountain. And he guides them behind the mountaintop, behind the hillside to where the fresh grass is. And he lets them graze over there. And then a little bit into the fall, as the fall starts to approach, the, the, the temperature begins to drop and the snow begins to dry back in. And he's got to lead them back down into the valley and he's got to lead them back to where it's warmer climate. All while knowing that there are predators in the valley. All while knowing that there are, there are wild beasts in the valley that are seeking, that are looking for these sheep. They're looking for the, for the vulnerable. They're hunting them out. And they're going through the valley. And I kept asking the question, why, why do they have to go through the valley? Why do they have to go through the valley? Why, does it, why do they have to get to the other side of the mountain? Why can't they just go to a different valley? Why can't they just go somewhere else? But it's because if they stay in the position that they're in too long, if they stay in the place that they're in too long, they'll eat up all the nutrients out of the ground and it'll become a desolate, barren place. Sometimes God's trying to move us from the place that we're at right now through the valley and up into the mountaintop. To bring us to a place called much more. To bring us to a place that overflows with blessing. That overflows with bountiful fruit. That overflows with grat. So when you go through the valley, when you're in the middle of the valley, instead of complaining, instead of getting angry and bitter with God, just understand that first of all, it won't last always. And second of all, there's a reason he's taking me through the valley. It's because he's trying to take me a little bit higher. What feels like defeat in the moment is really just a transition to more. What feels like destruction in the moment is really just a transition to blessing. What feels... What feels like darkness and despair and loneliness and depression is really God just leading you into a place called more. I want to tell somebody today, don't despise the valley. Don't despise the process. Don't despise what it takes to get from the place that you're at to the place that God's calling you. You know, we pray sometimes, God, I want your blessing. God, I want your favor. I want your anointing. God, would you bless my family? Would you bless those that I come in contact with? Bless those that bless me. But we don't understand and we don't like the process that it takes to get to that place of blessing. <laughs> it's not always easy. It's not always smooth. That's why David said it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. I choose to trust in God. I choose to trust in God. I'm almost done today. You can stand in this house.
don't despise the valley. You know what I found out, Bishop? You don't find wells, mountains, and mountaintops. You find wells in valleys. You find wells in deep places. You find wells in low places. What's the significance? The significance is that a well is, is there to refresh a traveler. The well was designed so that when you came upon it, it was because you had been traveling for some time and you needed refreshing. That's why, the, that's why David said, he restores my soul. Because when I'm down, he picks me up. And when I'm in my low place, I find a well of refreshing. I will not die in this valley. I want to encourage somebody today that you can't come out of it. I want to encourage somebody today that God has not brought you this far to leave you. I don't care if you've been coming to church for five minutes, five days, five months, or five years. You're exactly where God has you because that's where he wants you to be. That's where he needs you to be because he's taking you further. He's taking you to a place of much more. He's taking you to a place of blessing. We can't get frustrated with the process. We can't get frustrated with the shepherd when he says, hey, just a little bit more. We can't get frustrated with the shepherd when he reaches out. And when I want to go this way, he says, no, 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 no. Come on, keep going up. We can't get mad at the shepherd when he takes the rod and he hits us on the head and says, hey, keep going this way. Hey, don't veer off to the left. Don't veer off to the right. It may seem like a shortcut. It may seem like a better way. It may seem easier. But if you go this way, if you go that way, if you go back, there's nothing there for you. I'm trying to get you to a place of blessing. How many times do we do that? How many times do we get frustrated with the shepherd? We get frustrated with God. Do we get upset? And because of fear, because of lack of trust, lack of faith, we abort the process of blessing. We abort the process of becoming. You gotta learn to fall in love with the staff and with the rod. The next verse he says, or the next part of the verse, the last part of the verse, he says, for thou art with me. And then he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. He's saying, I'm glad to know that there's a God in heaven that loves me enough to correct me. Can I say it like this? I'm so thankful there's a God in heaven that gave me a shepherd that knows how to use a rod and a staff to lead me and to guide me. And there's a difference between the rod and the staff. In a lot of transliterations, it'll, it'll say thy rod, and then it says in parentheses for protection. And then it says thy staff, and it says in parentheses for, for guidance. And the rod is typically a shorter stick. It was a little bit thicker. It was almost like a cudgel. 
what the shepherd would do is they would use that to defend themselves and they would use it to defend the sheep. But oftentimes they also used it to correct the sheep. And so the very thing that defended the sheep, the very thing that protected the sheep was also the thing that corrected the sheep. And if we're not careful, we'll mistake correction for hatred. We'll mistake correction for abandonment. We'll mistake correction. What, what, what correction really is, Proverbs said, the Lord loves whom he chasteneth. If he's correcting you, it's because he loves you. It's because, and here's the thing. Sheep don't have any natural defenses, but they also don't have any, any natural instincts that tell them to stay away from danger. Oftentimes, people, they, 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 they paint sheep as like these dumb animals, and oftentimes they are. Even the, the shepherd in the book said uh, they're not the brightest. And so what, what happens is the sheep will start running off to a poisonous bush, and he'll see the berries, and he'll see something that looks good to the eyes and appealing to the eyes, and, and he'll think, oh, this is... This is great. And the shepherd comes out of nowhere with the cudgel and smacks him on the head and pushes him this way. And the sheep's thinking the whole time, it's just berries. It's just a bush. What's the big deal? While the shepherd sees something that the sheep doesn't see. The shepherd sees something. He understands what the bush really means. He understands that it's poisonous and that it's meant to harm the sheep. That's why when Bishop gets up here and he says, Mom and Dad, get rid of the TV from your house. It's not because he's trying to hold you back. It's not because he doesn't like you. It's because God's given him some vision. God's given him understanding. And when he sees the television, he sees poison. Let me say it like this. Mom and dad, don't just let your kids go to anybody's house. Let me say it like this. Mom and dad, Bishop, I'm preaching a college and career. Mom and dad, when you bring your kids to church, make sure they get involved. Don't leave them on the pew with an iPad in their hands. Becoming desensitized to a move of God. Don't leave him in the pew while you're up here getting a breakthrough. Doing homework. Playing around with friends. It's desensitizing them to a move of God. And so when they become 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And they don't want anything to do with the house of God. They don't want, want anything to do with the man of God or the people of God. What do you expect? It's not there to hurt you. It's not there to harm you. It's there to protect you. The boundaries that the shepherd puts in place are there to make sure that your family is blessed.
They're put in place to make sure that your family is prosperous. They're put in place to make sure that wolves don't get in, that lions don't get in. They're put in place to protect the flock. David fell in love with the rod. And in his olden age, in his olden years, in his mind, he begins to relive. And he gets to this part and he says, oh, and by the way, the rod and staff, I learned to fall in love with those. By the way, the, the correction, God, by the way, Bishop, when you pulled me into the office and you told me to turn around and go the other way, I fell in love with that. I don't get scared of it anymore. I don't get scared of a phone call anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't run from, from the office anymore. I don't run from, from my man of God. I don't run from the hand of God. But as a matter of fact, I embrace it. It comforts me. It comforts me knowing that I've got a hand that I can hold. And that same hand will reach out. And will smack me upside the head and say, hey, you're going the wrong way. It's out of love that the shepherd corrects. It's not out of hate. And if you want to get through the valley today, if you want to make it out of this if you want to come through the other side, if you want to be blessed in this house, you've got to learn to fall in love with the rod and the staff. You've got to learn to fall in love with the process. You've got to learn to fall in love with those deep, dark places. You've got to learn to look it in the eye and say, even though I'm walking through a dark place right now, I will fear no evil because I know he's with me. I fear no evil because my trust, my hope is in you. Can we stand in this house this morning? I know this might have been a little bit different for a Sunday morning, but I wonder if there's anybody in this house that's made it up in your mind that I'm determined to get out of this today. Come on, I wonder if there's anybody that's made it up in your mind that's determined to say, I will not die in this valley. I will not die in this valley because of disobedience. I will not die in this valley because of fear. I will not die in this valley because of lack of faith. But I will make it out. I will come through the other side. Come on, these altars are open this morning. I, want, I wonder if anybody would make their way down to the front. Come on, I wonder if you'd make your way down to the front of this altar and say, God, I surrender. God, I surrender my will right now. God, I surrender even though I can't see my way out. Even though it seems dark. Even though it seems low. God, I submit to the process. God, I'll fall in love with the rock of correction. God, I'll fall in love with the staff. Lead me, God. Guide me out of this, Jesus. Come on, I'm 
opening up this altar. Make your way down to the front this morning. Come on, somebody with your hands raised. Come on, with your heart lifted in this place. In the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of this. In the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of this. Come on, I don't care if you've been in this house for five minutes. I don't care if this is your first service here. I welcome you this morning, but I'm telling you, even that low place that you're in, God can bring you out of. That low place that you found yourself in, God wants to bring you through it. somebody right there. God, I surrender to the process. God, I surrender to the process. I'm coming out of this. I will not die in this valley. God, I will not die in this valley. in this valley for the rest of my life. 